and welcome back to YA Book Jam, the monthly book club sharing recent YA books hosted by me, Shelley Mack, and me, JL Blakely, and me, Arden Jones. It's the end of Halloween, so going into the new month, this will still sit really well for you readers that are looking for another Halloween read to add to your list. The book title is called Flight 171 and the author is Amy Christine Parker, published by Underline and the publishing date for that was 4th of October last year, 2022. So what we see on the cover of this book, a plane with lots of blood spatter on the front, which immediately had my interest. And the tagline says, fasten your seatbelts. Turning over onto the back, it says evil on board. Okay, so I was like, right, what is this going to say next? I'm so excited. Devon Marsh is haunted by secrets like the identity of the person who killed her twin sister, Emily, in a hit and run last Halloween, which Devon has vowed to uncover. Devon is determined to start fresh when she boards a four-hour flight with her classmates for their senior class trip, but she never could have guessed that her secrets will surface in the most terrifying way when a supernatural creature hijacks their flight and gives the students a deadly ultimatum. Choose one among them to sacrifice before the end of the flight or the plane will crash. As the clock ticks down, the creature slowly unearths the passengers' deepest, darkest secrets and reveals that one of the teens on the plane is responsible for Emily's death. Can Devon find a way to stop the creature or will she give in to her anger and let revenge take control? Mm-hmm. So needless to say, I was very interested in this concept. I follow a lot of bookstagrammers and the reason I chose this book was I came across it on Instagram and immediately I contacted the author to ask her if she would like to come on my Meet the Author program, which she agreed to. And she asked me, oh, would you like me to send you a copy of the book? And I was like, oh, yes, please. So she sent the book out and that was it. As soon as it arrived through, I put everything aside and I read it and I read it within a matter of days. Um, So that was my reason for choosing the book. So, ladies, can I ask you what your thoughts were on the title and tagline? Anytime you hear a flight number, it's always because there's been some sort of disaster or something's gone wrong. And so this immediately made me think, okay, something really bad's going to happen here. And of course, like the cover as well, spattered in blood. Yeah, brilliant. Like for me, I, I think I mentioned it last time, I have a huge phobia of plane crashes actually I have a huge phobia of dying but especially on a plane so if I see anything with a flight number I generally wouldn't read it so I can't say that I like the title because it scared the hell out of me but it's strong definitely and I have to admit if it hadn't been for the book club I wouldn't have read it just for the whole sheer factor that I am I would be absolutely petrified (laughs) but if I'd seen it it still would have intrigued me because that front cover is really like it just looks so interesting and I just wanted to pick it up and just see what it was about I love the way the typography is over there with the blood splatter and everything and turning it over with evil on board yeah that that would interest me because then I'm like okay there's evil on board it's not about just a plane crash there's evil on board and I want to know what that is yeah no that's a good responses as well but I, I kind of love the fact that we've got a uh, a person in our group that is like a bit freaked out by like horror books and stuff and flights so yeah I'm a win. I think it just makes for a more interesting chat for between the three of us because we're not always going to you know want to read the same things but then it makes it so much more great to have a chat about so yeah I think uh, for me I was really glad that I, I put this choice in and I'm glad that you guys were intrigued to begin with anyway 
So when I'm reading a book, I don't know if you guys do this, but I love analysing the first line of a book. And I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm going to read uh, read to you guys the first line uh, just for anyone that's listening if you haven't read the book yet. So, class trip home. If you had to choose between dying in a plane crash or a car accident, which would you pick? So I was like, okay, well, that's a good, uh, it was was just straight into the action for me. So I was really, really quite pleased with that first line. What did you guys think? Yeah, I really love that line as well. Um, I've actually, I was planning on saying it out loud because it's just such a good line. I was like, I want to say it as well with you, Shelley, but I'll leave it to you because you you said it better than me. So, (laughs) Um, but by reading that line, I feel like it just totally got me into the book. I kind of felt like I knew like where it was heading with that line. It, obviously, knowing there's a horror set on a plane, you kind of have an idea what, what might happen, yeah. but you don't know how that might happen. And like the risk that it could crash at some point was obvious from that, that opening line. So yeah, I thought it was strong, it hooky, and it invoked my kick reading senses, but it also, as I mentioned, freaked me out a little. Heavy, heavy foreshadowing for what's going to happen. Yeah. And it just felt like something a teenage boy would say as well. Like everyone had that kid in their class you could count on to say the most inappropriate thing to say in that situation. Yeah. There was always one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah I, it was so good. Yeah, it was totally cleverly done because of the car accident side of the story mm-hmm. and also the plane crash potential yeah. that's coming. So it was, yeah, it was just really clever foreshadowing. I Basically, you just said what my thoughts were going to be there, Jess. So, um, yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, so reading in the book, I remember being in my living room and I was up late and I had got to uh, chapter four. And by this point, I was feeling like, right, OK, I'm getting a good grip of who each character is, because if you imagine, so everyone listening, if you've not read it, there is a whole class of kids on this flight. So there's a lot of character point of views, even although it's told from one, there's a lot of characters, you know, in the vicinity. So you're you're sort of having to know who everybody is. So it takes it does take a wee minute to get to know who all the characters are. But I felt by sort of chapter four, I was kind of getting my way with that. But for me, the chapter four itself was a complete and utter game changer in that book. The tension just like built so much towards the end of that chapter, you know, when it came to the ancient Chan and then the knitting needles getting stabbed into uh, the flight attendant. I literally gasped at that point and I don't actually remember ever really doing that in a book before and I was like straight on to the next chapter um so yeah for me that was like a really really big moment in the book and that was where everything like just shifted the pace just like went full pill so tell me if you agree and what your thoughts were at the point at your point at the end of this chapter yeah I just I thought like I'm so glad that I'm not a knitter I mean I sew but I don't knit so I'm quite happy I'm I'm never want to see a pair of knitting needles in my life um but yeah I, I feel like it was a very good inciting incident at the perfect time of a book when we're looking at it as writers it, it just hooked us in and we want to carry on reading through the rest of it like the building up and then you knew something was going to happen I think with the knitting needles the way they clickety clack throughout those early chapters and the humming it was so freaky and the smile on the lady I mean I don't know if if you know or any listeners know but if you if you watch the uh, Sound Garden's Black Hole Sun video, then you'll absolutely know what I mean by the smile that creeps up across her face. I could just imagine it being that big and that scary. <laughs> but yeah, there's there was like, just the way that it was set up, the short, snappy chapters to get you to that point. I felt like it was really, really hooky. And there was like a, a line that I loved in this. Some old people are straight up creepy. I think maybe it's because with all their maladies, they're walking billboards to death, glaring reminders of how 
it's eating away at us all with its sharp teeth one nibble at a time then in giant ghastly gulps i was like oh my god that is so scary yeah oh completely agree uh and i have to say like the old lady was just like i thought it was a perfect character and like obviously as that story develops it, it you know you see why she's this older lady as she is but i thought it was really really good and it sort of gave me yes final destination vibes yeah. but it also gave me a the Drag Me to Hell. Have you seen Drag Me to Hell, the movie? Of course I haven't. <laughs> it's supposed to be a comedic horror, but I'm not really great with watching horror, but I'm, I love reading it, which is weird. But uh, Drag Me to Hell has features this really old lady in it. And this is just how I imagine the old lady in this book to be like the old lady in you know that film. And she freaked the living daylights out of me. So I kept on envisioning this woman you know, in this, in her place. I thought it was very, very much exactly what YA horror should be. Did you not think of the old lady from the Buffy episode with the demon? Oh, the, the double meat palace. Yeah. Uh, much creepier, much creepier than her, I would <laughs> say. Yeah. Um, okay, so we find that the tension builds again. So everybody, the smoke spreads and we, we now find that we're in a situation where all that's left able to, to converse and speak is... The, the children that are on this flight from the school. Everybody else is in some sort of state of comatose at this point, and nobody knows why. So at this point here, the old lady reveals her concept, which is that she is needing a new host body. So at this point, I wouldn't say that I necessarily expected that. I didn't know what was coming. So for me, that was a surprise. And it left me feeling very chilled because I was trying to think of how I would feel if somebody was going to set up home in my body and I wouldn't be in control of that. How did uh, you feel about the concept of this? I was going to mention Buffy again, but I feel like it could have been an absolute brilliant Buffy episode. Oh, definitely, um, yes. The concept of a demon needing a host body, it's, it's a trope that's been done, I would say, especially in films. If it's written right, it will definitely stand like the test of time. And this definitely was written right. A bit weird, but I love that the demon like was just like quite happy being inside her until until she was too old to stay alive it felt like believable in a way but also even more scary because we mentioned earlier there's nothing more scary than an old lady yeah. in a horror film yeah <laughs> um you know you think of ghostbusters the old lady in the library like that was the most scary part oh yeah, yeah scary old ladies it was just beautifully done the stakes were really high which is what you want in a horror and they were very clear like we knew exactly what was going on at that point okay so now we're at the point in the book it's the end of hour one it's separated into four sections in this book all by hour so we're at the end of hour one and the old lady shows all of the passengers that are that have remained awake an illusion of their death and proceeds to ask them to choose a sacrifice or a volunteer. And the cavalier way in which she does this is just so creepy in itself. And once she possesses a body, we discover that that person's soul wouldn't die, but would live, but be forever trapped. So this this gave me like almost palpitations when I thought <laughs> about this concept about you being trapped within an evil monster's body but yet you've got to sit and watch all the heinous things that they are, are about to do. So for me, yeah, I was like really quite terrified by this prospect. How did you guys feel when you discovered the next sort of stage of the plot? It made me feel really relieved that I was not on that plane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I first felt. 
it's a classic horror trope isn't it it's choose among you who will die or you all will like we've seen it played out time and time again but it's that impossible situation that is so brilliant for showing you all the different sides of humanity and you learn a lot about the characters by seeing how each one reacts differently we get to see what each character's breaking point is as well which is always really interesting yeah yeah i i feel the same um i was literally scared like as i was reading <laughs> through i was just absolutely scared as hell phobia of dying being on a plane and being trapped inside a body where you can see all these bad things happening you're killing people but you're a good person in this body and that oh no that's that's the worst thing it's the worst thing ever and the way that she done that illusion of showing them that the plane was going down that was so clever and it's something that i i don't think i could do i would never want to do be honest with me arden did you have to put the book in the freezer <laughs> no no i just wanted to know what was going to happen so no no freezer bedside table yeah same here actually okay so moving on to when we get to the point where we're at the end of chapter 11 we find that devon is hoping it is the ghost of emily she is hearing as she has unfinished business and things that she needs to say so we're at a point in the story where uh she's receiving text messages she's almost getting subliminal messages and she can hear things in her head so she doesn't know where this is coming from and this is the this is when she thinks that it could be potentially emily our sister as we've discovered has died in a hit and run that is uncovered on the first page of the book and we are trying to figure out if potentially there could be a connection to her sister's death with somebody that's on the plane. We don't know that at this point, but there a little bit more of the puzzle is laid out. So at the almost halfway mark, how were you feeling about Devin's character arc and where did you think it could potentially be going? Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. For me, I think at this point, I was really second guessing Devin, possibly because of the last book that we'd read. I was like, maybe she killed her sister, like after all, and this is why she's being haunted by her. Like, I think I was just totally overthinking it. And that's what, what is she hiding? I was like desperate to know what she was hiding. And why was the late, the old lady so obsessed with her out of all the, all the kids on the plane? It was like her that she focused on the most. Or was it it's just because it was told from her story? Maybe all the other kids felt like the mm. same. Who knows? We don't know. But for me, I was like, why is the lady obsessed with her? Has has Devin killed her sister? Is this, is she being haunted? I was just like, I really want to know what's going on. So like for, for me, like Devin's, I think like she had like a transformational arc of types. Like she was pretty much the same person throughout the book. And then like closer to the end, it was more about her coming to terms with her relationship with her dead sister and finding out who killed her I, like i don't feel like there was a huge character arc as such i mean at this point especially like i said i think she's just hiding something something but i wasn't quite sure what and i was just thinking it are we in for another unreliable narrator at this point Brilliant. can you imagine if every book we chose was just about someone who killed their sister <laughs> every single episode surprise guys welcome to sister killer podcast <laughs> exactly <laughs> i like devon's backstory i think it makes her feel really human i definitely felt sorry for her it was really heartbreaking what happened with her sister and it's clearly affected her greatly having no justice for it as well i found it hard to believe that she would go on a school trip with the person that she believed killed her sister i just feel like if that was me i would avoid that person at all costs i would have found it more believable if she was forced into the situation that maybe he just happened to be 
there or she didn't know he was going to be here and she was really surprised to see him like something that was out of her control would have made it more believable to me and you could still could have had the same story her mom could have been flying the plane and so she would have had to have gone on that yeah plane. maybe he didn't plan to go and then his plans changed last minute and she didn't find out and then she just saw him there or something something where she wasn't expecting it would have made it a bit more believable for me I just had a really hard time connecting the girl who was so affected by her sister's death she completely changed herself to try and mirror her sister with a girl who chose to be on a trip with the person she felt was responsible. I couldn't connect those two and I think it made it a little bit more difficult for me to connect with Devon as a character. I felt like deep down Devon knew that he wasn't responsible for her death but she just used him as an easy scapegoat to blame so that was kind of my opinion but I never really overthought that part but I think that's a very good point now that you've said it because this is why I love doing this podcast because you guys say things and I I love that because we all get different ideas from a story and that's what makes for a good chat so thank you very much on that That's, that's definitely get me gives me food for thought Okay, so chapter 15, the group decide to drug the old lady and are convinced what she is doing is mind control. So we're kind of at this point, we're at midway through the book. Did you think that this was mind control as the reader? Uh, You know, I'm interested to know because I'll share my thoughts after you've shared yours. But I didn't know if it was mind control or not. I thought it was a good idea. I wanted their idea to work I wanted them to be right but I knew it wouldn't because we were still halfway through the book I knew it was going to have to go terribly wrong still I didn't know how she was doing what she was doing I liked how unsettling that was for me as a reader I was just really intrigued to know more about this villain and why they were doing this and how they knew about these kids and what had happened like I just I needed more so I just kept reading yeah (laughs) so it was obvious she was like a demon from like the underworld them glowy knitting needles the freaky humming and them illusions not even talking about Rebecca knocking her own teeth out with the hammer like seriously yeah. it was ob- she was obviously a demon no idea why we're doing this or what she's doing but she is terrifying in the best way oh yeah definitely I think that at this point we kind of knew that there was definitely some sort of mind control element there because she was able to get inside people's minds but we knew also at this point it had to be more than that because to be able to have created an illusion for everybody to feel like they'd actually died on the plane and then to pull it back there had to be something else supernatural going on and I think that's what made it so much scarier as well that she was able to do that and then just the imagery you know how she could creep inside people's minds you know like to the point where you feel like you have to scratch yourself to get rid of her there's elements of the book that were like other books that I've read or movies that I've seen. But I felt like it was still very unique in its own right. Uh, And that's one of the things that I loved about it because I read a lot of horror books and I'll come away and I'll be like, I don't know if I would really say that was horror. I'd say it's more a thriller, maybe with the speculative horror edge. But I would say this was out and out pure horror in the right sense for a, a young adult book. So that was one of the things that I loved about it as well. She was definitely a fantastic villain. I think yeah, it was more yeah. the, the subtleties that made her more terrifying for me. Like yeah. Arden mentioned earlier, her smile, that was so creepy. Those knitting needles, yeah. the humming, her gaze. 
I think if any of us are on a flight from now on and we hear knitting needles, <laughs> we're just going to fall to the ground. I'm just going to be like that of any old lady, to be fair. <laughs> That's it. We're going to be transported back to this book for sure because she's been really smart, picked things that are very common and very ordinary and it will it will drag us right back to the situation. I actually don't even know if you're allowed knitting needles on flights anymore. I hope not. Not after this book. No, not after this book, for sure. <laughs> she probably could have taken anything onto that flight and got it on there. So that's uh, my thing. I never really feel like I ever got an answer for the knitting needles, but I quite liked that I didn't get an answer for it. But I was like, where is the magic contained? Where is this evil power coming from? Is it from the knitting needles themselves? Or is it the, the old woman channeling? her evil power through the knitting needles. I think that if I had to choose, I think she's probably channeled her own evil spirit through these, through this item uh, to make terrible things come about. We're definitely getting cancelled by all knitting groups across the country after listening to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just going to uh, reiterate what's already been said, but I feel like the old woman is absolutely the perfect villain uh, in the story. And I loved all the cringeworthy moments for me. The, the the best point in the book but also one of the worst points in the book was when the maggot dropped from her eye I've got a severe fear of maggots I you know I'm sure most people do right enough it's not like anyone loves them but for me I was like oh I could see it all happening and I was like excellent imagery because I really really felt that moment um so it really made me squirm and yeah I uh I, I really weirdly enjoyed it mm -hmm. um and then move, no, moving on from there we get to hour three so we're now into the second half of the book well into the second half of the book and this is where at this point I was wondering well I wonder where it's going to go from here because we knew what the stakes were we knew that a host body was needed and I was like how is this going to propel from here and then it does of course as all books do when you get a new point of tension so at this point we have the video footage that is then being shared and you're getting bit by bit the characters that are left on the plane you're seeing little increments of their life being shown for all to witness and it's going back in time and it's basically announcing to the rest of the plane their flaws their sins and their betrayals and i absolutely loved this part when this was coming i was like oh what's the next person going to have done so for me it was perfect <laughs> tension perfect pacing like it's also been mentioned the chapters were relatively short as well which i love in a book uh, so i really particularly uh, couldn't wait to see what was coming next for each character what were your thoughts on this change of events in the book i was here for it <laughs> i was ready with my popcorn <laughs> I think, tell me what these horrible teenagers have done. I want to see it all. Um, I just wanted to see what they were really like. And it was yeah. just revelation after revelation. And again, amazing pacing with this book. And the pieces of the puzzle just starting to slot into place and in a really satisfying way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm exactly the same. I feel like this was like my favorite aspect of the whole story. I absolutely loved it but I, I have a but I wanted more <laughs> I didn't feel that they were awful enough mm. to like just to warrant being chosen to basically just live in a demon's body they needed to be worse I mean there was obviously the one with the balaclava and the breaking of the leg and and that was bad but I'm like was anything else bad enough to warrant 
being trapped in a demon's body. No, I feel it, the tension could have been higher there. Like maybe I'm a bit sick in the head. I don't know. But I was like, I want more. I want them to be worse. They need to be horrible <laughs> for me to choose and want one of them to die. Like, no. And especially from Devon, haven't we all said something we regret to have to our family? And it felt like this thing that Devon was hiding was bigger than what it turned out to be. I wanted more from that. Mm. If we have a, a sibling that is super perfect in every single way, of course we're going to have teenage angst. Of course we're going to be saying something bad to them and have an argument. We know what she said is awful. Like if you wish someone dead, that's very bad. But it's just something that you've said that probably they would have said to each other at some point in their lives anyway. And yeah, I felt like it, it could have been it could have been bigger. But it did help us discover who killed Emily. So very true. And I feel like from my, my sort of perspective on that part of it was that it's all relative to the people who were carrying those secrets. For them, that was like the worst thing that they've ever done mm -hmm. and the worst way that they've ever felt. So to have that exposed to all of the people around them, I felt like that was a really terrible thing for them. But I think as a reader, I totally see and validate your point as well that a lot of people might have felt that way, you know, like, oh, is that all? You know, that's not that bad. But I think the characters themselves, it was quite true to their characters, how bad it might be. And I also felt as if the things that they did do that they were wrong were very relatable things. Like I could see that teenagers would have done that or said that. So, but yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. It could have been a lot worse. Like some of them, like Rebecca's sin, you know, like stealing the cash box and hiding in someone else's locker. You know, that wasn't really that bad of a crime. Um <laughs> So yeah, that that one could have definitely have been uh, been worse. I think mm. <laughs> we we want people to be horrible. <laughs> no, I don't. But I totally agree, Jenny. Like it's how they feel. And Rebecca wanted to be like perfect. Wants everyone to like her. Has got this huge persona about being the best girl, and everyone wants to be with her. She's like the perfect one, isn't she? So to have something like that for everyone to turn on her. But yeah, I still think. Make make it worse, make it worse, make it worse. Wow, we are awful people. Terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's just all the bad stuff. <laughs> so, um, interesting what you've just said about Rebecca, because I've got a different opinion of her. I never liked her, but anyway, I'll come back to that in a minute. Who was your favourite character and why? Well, I think for me, it does have to be Devon. She was strong and she was fierce. She had a clear character arc, but... No, I'm with you. I didn't like Rebecca, but I think her persona was that she wanted to be this perfect girl that everyone looked up to. Yeah. But no, I didn't like her. And in that kind of sense, it made me feel like she, in in another way, she's my favourite character because she was written so well as, as that person. Yeah, um, she was. And, you know, as we get to the end, she has an amazing plot twist. So, yeah, mm -hmm. you need to, everyone needs to read this. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's so interesting how, like, everyone's views are so different my favorite I don't know what this says about me my favorite character was actually the old lady because <laughs> oh, well, yeah. yes. he's a brilliant character of course uh, that does not surprise me in the slightest I love how you all are just like yeah typical Jess <laughs> I just thought she was really well written she had so many layers there was so much variety you never knew what she was going to do next she was just a brilliant villain it's always great to have a villain that you just want to hate or a villain that just terrifies you and i think that's what this one was so for that reason and for how 
well I think she was written she would be my favorite character in the book well I think we're all different then so we've all got a different favorite character and I love that and uh, my favorite characters I'm I'm veering towards the boys I always quite like boy characters and I always like my B characters I'm never usually unless it's Buffy she's like my ultimate hero but if it's anything else that I'm reading or watching I generally tend to favor the characters are not in the mainstream light and I really liked Jack and Carter and I love Jack because Jack just basically let Devin totally lay that blame at his door. He was like, well, this is what she needs to do, and I'm going to let her do it. So it was a very self-sacrificing yeah. thing. But then you've got Carter, who actually sacrifices himself to save her. I think that speaks for Devin's character as well, because she's got these people who do care about her and do love her in their own different ways. But I felt so sorry for both of these boy characters that had been severely bashed you know I'm just like what a shame and then the way that Carter just kind of went out of it at the end I was just like oh that was really sad but I, I think probably if I had to choose I would say it would probably be Jack because he was just he just had a different level of patience for Devin at that time and he really really came through for helping her you know get to basically get into the end of the plane journey so that he was my favorite I liked him um okay so Okay, that everyone's going to be like, oh my goodness, these questions are so lame. But who was your least favourite character and why? My answer will be lame, so don't worry. So you get you guys have to answer that, by the way, you know. I know it's lame, but on you go. My least favourite character is Shelley for her lame question. Oh, shush. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't like Rebecca. She was meant to be unlikable. That was the point. Yeah. I don't know if I can say, she, like, as a reader, she was my least favourite character, but that's no criticism on how she was written she was clearly written really well then other than that there weren't really any characters I hated I thought they all had interesting aspects to them so I guess Rebecca God, I feel like everyone's gonna hate me now but I I didn't like I didn't like Emily like I didn't like the character of Emily coming in as a ghost Devin could have had that character arc without bringing Emily's ghost into the mix I don't know what your thoughts on that but she was such a, like a goody two-shoe sister that I just immediately didn't like her and then so when I when she was coming in telling Devon things I was like let Devon find this out herself I don't need a ghost to come and tell her so yeah that was that was mine um I'm going to apologize in advance because I'm so sorry oh you don't need to apologize it just makes as I say for a good conversation <laughs> um but I do I can't agree with that which I love that we can't agree because that again you know yeah. it'd be a really boring podcast if we all agreed on everything anyway um I have to say that uh Emily um for me I felt like she was needed because I felt like in order for um, Devin to get over that final hurdle of actually being able to forgive herself and move on I don't think she would have been able to do that if Emily hadn't appeared in some form so for me I felt as if that brought her character arc full circle so I liked that element but I, I totally appreciate your point of view as well because I, I wouldn't have looked at it like that before you said that so it's, it's interesting again more food for thought my least favorite character was not like I actually didn't like Rebecca, but I thought that she was the most important character in the book. Just the way that it ended. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I mean, superb, absolutely superb and the perfect character to do it with. But I didn't like Kiara. I didn't or Kira, Kira, or Kiara. I'm not sure how to say that, but yeah. I didn't like her. I just thought she was quite vapid and a really terrible friend to Devin. And obviously she had her own agenda as well because she, she knew the big secret. Mm -hmm. 
and she was doing whatever she took to protect that person. So I, I just felt, I just, I didn't like her. She was my least favourite. So that's good. So we still ended up with different favourites and different yeah. So it wasn't that bad. Yeah. That wasn't that bad a question to ask. Yeah. I take it back what I said about myself. Me too. I take it back too. Um, <laughs> I'm not taking it back, but my answer was lame. <laughs> <laughs> right. So getting into the nitty gritty now for people who are listening and you don't want any spoilers, just be warned that the rest of this is total spoiler alert. So if you want to stop listening, now is the time to do it. But I've read this book twice now, and I have to say, knowing going into it who the killer was, who Emily's killer was for the hit and run, I was automatically looking for clues for that, and the clues were there, but they were so, so beautifully and subtly done that I could see how I didn't guess it the first time round, because I didn't guess the killer when I first read it. So I'm interested to know if you guys had the killer peg. I assumed it would be the least likely of the friend group. I guess that part didn't really surprise me too much, but it felt satisfying as a reader that that's kind of the way I thought it should end, if that makes sense. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to have to do what you did, Shelley, and read it again, because no, I did not spot anything. I had no idea that it was going to be Andrew. I, And I I think it's because it was like gone for quite a lot of it that I just it didn't have that much of a storyline for me to even consider him so for me I feel like I, I would want to spot those clues but I didn't because when I got to the end and I realized it was him I was like oh I wanted it to be somebody else that had had more of a storyline I wanted to be shocked or I wanted to be sure but I was like stranded between who who is it yeah I, I didn't know it was him stranded in midair <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that uh, when I was reading back, so there is a point at the beginning of the book where it talks about Andrew's journal just very, very, very briefly. And then he's also quite strange around Devon as well, which then all just kind of adds in. But it's it's very subtle things that were just kind of of tapered into the book. Um, But it was quite cleverly done so that you didn't actually know necessarily who it was. And then it kind of clicked a little bit but only when I was reading it again. So, yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. So at that point, we find out that Andrew's the killer. It's all chaos on the plane. And we're like, what is going to happen? They actually manage, or do you think, that they managed to outsmart the old woman just in the nick of time. They all get off the plane and they just all plead ignorance and everybody just pretends that they were all in this state of coma. They've woken up to this disaster on the plane and nobody knows what's happened. And then we go into the epilogue. So in the epilogue, I loved the part where it went into the history of the old women and you find out that this exact scenario all those years previous and you find out that a similar thing had happened with young girls on a train and all of a sudden these girls over the course of two years mysteriously die after they survived this train accident stroke incident and we discover that one of the girls who'd still remain the only one that remained alive was the old woman herself but now all grown up so I thought this was a very, very uh, detailed part of the story, although it might have been nice to know more about the origin of the monster side or the, the demon side of the old woman. Please write a book too, Amy. I'd love to see what happens next. And then it ends with Rebecca humming that also familiar tune that we've heard about throughout the book. 
and knitting needles appearing in Rebecca's snow boots. So when Devin sees this, I was like literally tensed in my chair when I read this and I was like, oh, this is so good. This is so good. And what a perfect person to have chosen uh, to possess because at the end, you also see when you, you think back, oh, how could that have happened? And then you think, oh, well, Rebecca was the last person with the old woman before she disintegrated. So it absolutely could have been her that she's possessed. Yeah, trying to give her the kiss of life. Yeah, absolutely. And But <laughs> Devin blinks and everything goes back to normal. So you're left with this unpredictable end, whereas it could go, it could have went either way. So you don't know if Devin's imagined this because it would have been easy to do that, considering everything that's just happened to her. Or is Rebecca actually possessed and is basically everybody that's left alive their days are numbered so tell me what your thoughts were what did you how did you think in your mind what was your your sort of vision for the end of the book um yes rebecca was so possessed that is exactly where i was going with that she <laughs> this pattern has been just replaying itself through millions of years and just like you i wanted to know the origins i would love there to be like a prologue with something that had happened billions of years ago yeah that would have been cool so we we knew who this demon was. I wonder if she'd ever done that. That'd be interesting to know. Um, and whether the publisher was like, no, prologue, please. <laughs> like, you know, they can even love them or hate them. But um, yeah, I would have loved a prologue for this book because I would have loved to know their origins. But yeah, Rebecca was absolutely possessed. This demon isn't ever going to die. And that was one of my favourite parts of this book. It leaves room for a sequel or a prequel on a train, maybe. That would be brilliant to have had that story, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be great. I'd love that, absolutely. She was 100% possessed. Yes. <laughs> no Definitely, yeah. <laughs> she deserved to be possessed. She yeah, did maybe. But it didn't just leave room for a sequel, it left room for us to be terrified for the rest of our lives yeah. every time we see knitting needles or every time we're on a plane and so, or every time we hear that song. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I want to believe that that's how the book ended as well. It's like, I have to believe that because I think that's just the perfect ending. And then you know that come the end of Rebecca's life, this situation is going to happen again with another group of young people because she's obviously, in my opinion, she targeted all these youngsters because they've got the rest of their lives ahead of them. Mm. So she's wanting to possess one of their bodies. So she's got a whole new, new world and life to live out. So yeah, uh, well done, Amy. Thank you for creating a book that we have all enjoyed in different ways. And uh, we've been able to have a wonderful discussion about our opinions on that. It's been a wonderful chat with you guys. It always is. We always have the best crack. And I just want to close off by thanking our listeners who are going to be listening in. And uh, we look forward to doing our next one. Now, Jess is up for our next book choice. And you're going to be hosting that. And do you have any little teasers for the next book choice that we have coming? Well, next month, I've chosen a genre that I love, but that I've never read in YA before. I've only ever read it in adult books. All I'm going to say is that it is the stuff of myths and legends and it's epic and the cover is one of the most beautiful covers I've seen this year. Oh yeah, it's lovely. I have to agree with all of that. I'm excited to have a chat about that. So again, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
JL Blakely and Alden Jones. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Book Jam. And if you enjoy this podcast, rate, review and subscribe where you listen. To watch Arden interview authors and illustrators, check out Kidlit Live on YouTube and follow on Instagram at Kidlit Live. You can also follow Arden on Twitter and Instagram at Arden Jones Author. You can follow Shelley on Instagram at Shelley Mac Books for her author Q&As. And you can follow Jess at jlbleakly on Twitter and at j.l.bleakly on Instagram. Ba-dum-bum. bum Why book jam? Yes! <laughs> <laughs>